Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio for 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and, of course, across the world. All brought to you by the PRTG Network Monitor from Paisler.com. This little beauty monitors your IT infrastructure 24-7 and alerts you to any problems before any of your users even notice. So you can check out the system at Paisler.com. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app. We keep you bang up to date on all things tech every single day. We've got hourly updates, daily newsletters for you. You can grab the whole thing for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me as always is Tech Central Editor-in-Chief Niall Kitson. Um, or Niall, do, do we even want to publicise your name? Do we even want people to know <laughs> that you're sitting in a studio talking tech? <laughs> User 3479 has something to say. <laughs> this week, I suppose, we're really looking at uh, Google. There was, there was an interview on radio where somebody was promoting Google and saying that the whole tracking and location and listening to your voice and advertising and all that is a good thing. And the guy got shot down uh, for the privacy issues. There was a little bit of a pylon, all right, wasn't there? I mean, you you, you heard the interview um, and you've seen the backlash. Uh, OK, let's put things in context as to, to what the story actually is. And I think if we look at the story at a macro level and then drill down, maybe we'll have a different perspective. Maybe, maybe our, our starting points will, will just, you know, calcify or whatever. So let's let's have a look at the initial problem. OK, so Google... Uh, is collecting your location data on your location, whether you tell it to or not. That is that is the core of the issue going on here. You can go into your Android app, your iPhone. Um, this is affecting two billion devices, by the way. So this is a global problem. So uh, Google, regardless of whether you say you want location data collected on you or not can still collect and are still collecting location data on you. Now, and they do this um, through slightly slightly shifty means that you would certainly classify as sharp practice in the absence of GDPR and in the presence of GDPR, certainly something that should be sanctioned to the fullest extent of the law now, or the regulation. If I you would will. say one of the things that annoys me about these companies is what they do is they go, oh, it's an opt out service. So it's there and it's automatically turned on and you can opt out if you want. And like that's kind of a reasonable argument. But the opt out feature or even finding out about the opt out feature is buried four or five menu items down. So you really is- know where to look for it. And this is kind of what's happened. But also, because Google does so many things, it has split up the location option across the different apps, right? So every time, say, you've got a, a, a weather widget, that checks in automatically into a location service and it gives you a, a little little jolt of information, just one particular thing, you know, the weather today. Uh, and it works that way because it logs your location. But then it... it sprints off again right it's it's there and it's gone Hmm. google does the same with your searches so it means that you know if you do a search for cafe you get a cafe around the corner from you but it's there and it's gone right uh at issue initially 
is the idea of location tracking through Google Maps, where the plan, in order for Google Maps to be most effective for you as a user, is to learn the way you use Google Maps through navigation, through recording data in real time, and then remembering which locations you normally go to um, so that, you know, those instructions will load faster or maybe they'll be available offline or all these other services that Google might decide to come up with in future. So Google will say, look, in, in Maps, you enable Navigator, you, as part of that, you give us permission to use and log your data that's part of the deal if you want to use navigation. Um, what you can do is you can go in and you can pause location tracking for maps, but when you do your little search for a cafe, you're still going to get your localized search result because guess what? You didn't turn off your location setting for that feature. So... Is what we're talking about, about Google being able to track you. And listen, let's not just paint we're talking about Google, but Apple can be just as big a culprit when it, when it comes to these things. But let's just concentrate on Google. Are you saying that all of these things that Google is doing are bad? Or are you saying the fact that Google is hiding a way of turning it off should you so choose? Is that what the bad thing is? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at GDPR... Um, principles of it are very clear one is oddly enough transparency um, you have the right to know what's being collected uh, about you how and for what purposes and there's also the principle of privacy by default uh, which is sort of lurking in there a, a little bit in the fine print but the idea is that if somebody is collecting something um, on you the default option should be uh, that they don't that it's that feature is off and you have to turn it on. You have to consent. Now, this is a debate that's ongoing at the moment. And you might remember the interview we did with Max Schrems a couple of months ago when he was talking about how companies are trying to subvert GDPR a little bit by doing this thing of um, consent by not coercion, but do, just doing sort of little things like, oh, you wish to use Google Maps in any way, shape or form, well, guess what? You've got to turn on your location services. You've got to turn on your location sharing. So you've got useful things that make themselves unusable unless you commit to a series of terms of conditions that are actually kind of restrictive when you sit down to look at them. And it's amazing, actually, the amount of apps that need uh, location sharing because when I was setting up my new phone uh, a little while back, almost every app that I installed was needs access to your location. <laughs> yeah, and my personal, um, oh my goodness, the, this one that I hate more than anything is um, we need access to your photos. Why? I've, I've been, um, I, I logged into, or rather, as part of the requirement to attend a conference not too long ago, I had to download the conference app because it had your ticket uh, in it as a QR code. <clears throat> And uh, one of the things it encouraged you to do, or rather one of the things you were required to do in order to complete your registration, was to allow the app access to your photos. But that can be quite confusing, those permissions that uh, Google asks you about, because you said that you had a QR code, which is an image. And the image is on the phone, and it's probably in the photo section of your phone, and that's why it needs access to your photos. 
Okay, but why doesn't it just store it in um, uh, within the app? Like, why why do you need to um, mm. why do you need to give access to the entire folder? I agree, um, I agree, because I've seen that before with uh, with several apps asking for access to folder. Why doesn't it? Why does it need that? And then I go ironically and Google it, yeah, <laughs> and and find out the reason. And it's kind of, oh, all right, okay, fair enough. It doesn't want to be looking at my uh, uh, my pictures from my holiday last summer or whatever it happens to be. Uh, so like, usually there is a re or the, the there are apps that need access to your contacts. I uh, don't like that. Oh, one. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. not fond of that. You know, a lot, a lot of those things. But there's usually a good reason for uh, for these things. And at least uh, when you're installing those apps, it does tell you uh, that you need to have this app permission or, or the app won't work. Or the app won't work as well as it could. Or do you know what's really driving me nuts at the moment since GDPR is just when you visit websites and, of course, the thing now pops up, not just uh, do you consent to having cookies, it's um, uh, what, what it's, uh, change your settings here. <laughs> and then you can go in and change all the various different settings of that particular cookie or whatever. Usually I just click no and I get the website anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But well, sometimes, they, they... sometimes I click no and then it doesn't allow me access to the website. Huh. Okay. That's interesting because um, I've just brought them up here, the principles of GDPR. And really, that's this is the only lens through which you can fully appreciate the Google story, because, you know, they, there have been pylons and there have been. Well, on the other hand, and what about you know, all these kind of rhetorical strategies deployed? And uh, GDPR says, uh, well, it's seven key principles in terms of um, gathering data about you and learning about what is being gathered about you, which we already had in the EU anyway. So lawful fairness and transparency. Okay, Google have failed on that straight away um, on transparency alone. Um, if you go, oddly enough, uh, actually, we'll talk. We'll talk about what to do about it about it in a little bit because it it, it varies from device to to device. Mm. Um, purpose limitation. Okay, grand. Uh, if you give up information about one thing, it should only be used about one thing. Uh, that makes sense. Um, data minimization. You, for example, uh, if you let Google figure out um, where you travel from, maybe it shouldn't be able to access how long it takes you to get from A to B when you make that journey, which would be, say, maybe between half eight and nine a.m. during rush hour traffic, right? So maybe you might go, okay, on a on a normal day, it will take you thirty minutes on the bus, which is what you have already. Uh, if you were to go a step further, go between eight thirty and nine, it will take you forty five minutes if you get the bus. Mm-hmm. You can you can see why that's useful, but Google didn't tell you. We found this out because we interrogated your specific data. Therein lies the problem. Well, you see, I think, just to move the conversation on a little bit, right, um, I, I hear everything that you're saying. And actually, anybody who listens to the show regularly, and you know that I am a big advocate of privacy and I don't like sharing my data or my information or whatever. I just have a, a thing about it, like many people. But this conversation kind of came up this week and, and the vitriol that was targeted at that guy who was trying to support Google. Like, why are people so... like? My point is, is that we are already sharing a massive amount of information about ourselves and people are watching what we do every single day anyway. And I'm talking things like another thing that I don't like. This is this here's me in privacy. Hmm. Closed circuit TV. 
Yep. Those cameras are everywhere. And I hate the fact that I'm walking through the train station, that my image has been captured and somebody could trace me to be at that location at that particular time. There's no, there's no reason for it. It's not like I robbed a bank or anything like that. But I just don't like the thought of that. Do you know what I mean? But then you see the advantage of it when somebody goes missing or they're murdered or whatever they were last seen at this location and they show the CCTV image. So that's going on anyway. Another thing that we use in our life all the time is caller ID. Mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. calling me oh great I'm going to answer that or no I'm going to avoid that do you know what I mean so like these yeah. things are going on and it's becoming more and more and, and, and with Google we're just sharing more and more the live traffic or the traffic information example that you gave there one of the things that I must say I do like with Google is when you go on maps and you click on traffic and it'll show you the red lines of where the traffic is busy Mm. And the reason it's able to do that is because it monitors people's regular journeys every day to, from, and how long it should take. And then if it's taking people extra long one particular day, you know, well, there's a problem there. Make it red. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this all comes to the issue of consent uh, mm. and the, you know, and things like the accuracy of data that is being gathered about you. I mean, if it, if it turns out that Google actually, you know, isn't is is basically rooting your daily commute through a particularly dangerous area and you send your, you know, uh, you forward on your route to, to somebody else and go, oh, look this way. And mm. they end up being sent somewhere completely, um, completely incorrect. Uh, also, yeah, how long does Google actually need to um, store stuff? Because we are coming into the age of the digital estate. And we have we we have a few years ago, but we're, you know this is a problem that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We're not going to be around forever, Dusty. I'm sorry, but Aww. we're not. Aww. So what happens? <laughs> Break when we it to me off? gently. <laughs> yeah. What happens when we shuffle off this mortal coil and we have all this information that's been given to Google and Facebook and whatever? Um, we've got an awful lot of stuff left behind to clear up. Um, Facebook uh, will memorialize your page uh, and, and then if you have passwords and all that sort of thing you can delete the account and, and whatnot. Um, Google have uh, you can nominate someone to be your, your digital next of kin so they can sort of you know um, shut down accounts or, mm. or whatever as, as required but how long should Google have a right to hang on to that data if they look at uh, an account and go, well, it hasn't been used in five or ten years, well, it's probably still relevant. Um, maybe just in, uh, I don't know, for some reason. Uh, at what point is there a natural cutoff? If you are sent to jail for a prolonged period of time uh, and Google recognises or still thinks you live in a certain location, um, is it appropriate for Google to even know that much about you? Um, so accuracy limitations of storage um, and to go to to speak to your point about CCTV cameras now that we have facial recognition ramping up um, can you lodge a complaint and say look this is my daily route I know I'm not up to anything your argument that if I'm not up to anything, I shouldn't be worried, really doesn't hold water. I mean, if I have a legal right to, you know, the presumption of innocence, um, why are you capturing this data on me? Well, no, I, I, would, I would agree with you there. and that, That's exactly why. Why are you tracking me? Mm. You know, I, I, and I don't like that. But while I'm trying to look at the other side of the argument, because I'm a Gemini, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of, should we just embrace this technology? 
and look at the benefits that it brings us and say, okay, uh, there are a lot of actually really good things with Google Now and Google Assistant and Google Maps and yada, yada, and so on and so forth. So why don't we just reap the benefits and be able to use that to improve our lives and then sort out the bad side of it? And these are the questions that you are bringing up, like, you know, well, what happens when you pass away? What happens to your data? Who has access to your data? What data do you give Google in the first place? Should you have the right to say, no, there's a line I'm not willing to go across? That These are the questions that I suppose people like us talking about on this on this program are trying to grapple with. Ah, and now you're thinking like an American when you say that, because um, whenever we uh, attack the, the problem of data and storage and disclosure and it's mining for commercial purposes, it always comes down to the idea of who owns this stuff. In Europe, we say, actually, you made it, you own it. Uh, in the States, they say, well, you use this guy's platform and service to create it. He owns it. And I don't. I don't mean it, it's so much that who owns it, but who has access to it, or who can see what I'm, what I'm doing. Well, I think the issue of access is becoming more and more of an open and shut case after Cambridge Analytica, uh, when you can see that you know Facebook was lax in the uh, in its security practices around mm-hmm. consumer data, and we saw what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, even if the data was flawed, as um, Cambridge University developer, I can't remember his name offhand, um, uh, said it was it was flawed data, probably not very much use to anyone. Um, the point was that it could be done and Facebook weren't terribly interested in doing anything about it. And again, as we saw a few weeks ago when, when we looked at Facebook in the Dispatches documentary, um, do you know what? For as long as tech companies will be allowed to get away with these things, they will. Oh, absolutely. That's human nature. That, that, mm. that, that is human nature. And that is why the law is so big and complicated, because new laws are written to stop people who found ways around the other laws. <laughs> Particularly yeah, when... It, yeah. you, well, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, tax evasion and stuff like that. Like, oh, you should pay your tax. And like somebody goes, oh, well, unless X, Y, yeah. Z. And then somebody well, goes, well, I think GDPR's, this might apply to me. Um, GDPR's uh, predecessor was like written in 1995, mm. you know, 10 years before social networks. I mean, Google was only, you know, it was still in the garage at that stage, I think. Uh, you know, it was woefully, woefully out of date by the time uh, GDPR came around. Um, but the, so, the, it's, it's the so, principles, though, that we, we, we are grappling with at the moment. Do you think that's what it is? I think so. But I, I came across a very interesting tweet mm. um, by uh, Shannon Valor who we talked to last year. And she was commenting on Mark Zuckerberg's um, uh, testimony to Congress, where he got up and he said, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know who should um, decide where whether to, you know, where to draw the line on this thing. And she said, well, you draw the line and you do it in association with your stakeholders. That's it. And, um, of course, your stakeholders being the user bases as mm. well as your advertisers, and you make the call on it. Um, that really is, is the ideal regulatory model. You know, there is the, the good actor, if you will, which means that, you know, you preserve the integrity of the platform because you show that you're making some effort to protect, uh, the user base, whether that's from, you know, being exposed to misinformation or to uh, or having their data mm. harvested by by a third party and i think that's a lesson that really should be taken up and learned by all the social networks at this stage i mean it's a it's a little bit of a side issue but this week um infowars was kicked off twitter 
um, after Apple started this cascade effect by removing Alex Jones' various podcasts from the iTunes store. And eventually Twitter sort of gave up on the um, freedom of speech argument, um, much in the same way that Facebook gave up in the, uh, on the freedom of speech argument, um, largely because Facebook has a long history of banning things by algorithm that are actually quite benign. The, the classic example being, um, the, uh, I think it was a page or a group devoted to breastfeeding. And that was taken down because of nudity. Right. Yet Alex Jones was allowed to continue to spread misinformation and hate speech on the platform uh, because it didn't breach Facebook's terms of service, inverted commas, you know, and of course it did. It mm-hmm. was just the fact that he was box office. Uh, and eventually it takes advertisers to step up and go, do you know what? We don't want to be associated with this. That's that's the only thing that the likes of the social media platforms, the TV networks, it's the only thing that people listen to. If there's a consumer uprising that causes um, uh, a change in ad spend or a change in response to advertising. Oh, yeah. th- th- things start to happen really quickly. Really quickly. <laughs> there was a, a campaign just the past week on Twitter and suspiciously close to Alex Jones getting banned. Oh, what's the hashtag on it? It, it was like, um, it was targeting Fortune 500 companies that advertise on Twitter or mm. that use Twitter, have a Twitter presence. Um, I think it was called Boycott 500 or something like that. Mm. Um, and it drew 50,000 members in like two days. Just going, okay, thank you very much. Um, you subscribe to a block list. Mm that uh, somebody had set up and immediately you had blocked all uh, advertisements from Fortune 500 companies. I Boom. see. Boom. Well, listen, get, getting back to Google, right? There, There's a lot yeah. of things that Google do and I'm just arguing the toss on this, all right, that I hmm. think that, you know, people are embracing and that we're using more and more in, in day-to-day life. And, you know, the GPS and the traffic information, the maps, I think people use that an awful lot. It needs location to be able to operate at its at its absolute best. Um uh, the, the location services like on the iPhones where you've got the, the friends feature where friends are nearby uh, that's the kind of thing you can use if you're picking somebody up from a train you'll see if, if, if they're late or uh, airports with flight radar we're able to see if flights are on time um, I love taxi apps like uh, Uber so you order the taxi and you can actually see the, the, the car on the map coming towards you and all I can think of is can, can we do this for pizza delivery <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fantastic you know you've got parents with, with, with kids if you've got location tracking on at least you can see where your kids are uh, uh, I'm thinking my father-in-law is quite el- elderly at this stage he has a, a little watch that he wears on his wrist and if he hits it uh, it will automatically make a phone call and say what his location is and somebody is able to talk to him. What if that was built into your phone and I believe there are several apps that are able to do that. Um, when you call 999, 80% of uh, phone calls to 999 are from mobile phones so you can see the number but if you had location tracking on the operator would instantly see your location be able to feed it into the uh, mm. the whole system there are so many things there and aside from location one of the things i like as a marketing person uh but i hate it at the same time is the advertising cookies okay because i hate people knowing you know what my likes are what my gender is my age and blah 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 but at the same time it does show me ads that are relevant and you know you might think advertising is evil but when you start seeing little messages about things that you will actually be interested in <laughs> It's not so bad. Okay. Here's a, here's a question for you, right? Um, and two examples of using data you generate 
to create a you know a, I, I'm going to say inverted commas again, but anyway, um, a better user experience. One okay. of which you you have direct access to, and one of which is why a certain application isn't as good as it might be. Uh, one is Siri, mm-hmm. which works on a, a, a localized database and isn't uh, connected to the cloud. Um, and the other is Samsung Bixby. Mm-hmm. which uh, claims to make your phone easier to use on the because it figures out which apps you use the most mm-hmm. and during which times of the day and all this kind of thing. So it's sort of uh, an AI, but not a personal assistant, right? Now, that's use of data that you have put forward, um, but it's not, um, it's not necessarily connected to the cloud. It doesn't have to be connected to the cloud. Uh, how are you about this without necessarily being asked if you want this to be enabled? Well, I would like to be asked if it was enabled. I would like to know that it's enabled by default. The fact that mm. it's on the mobile telephone that I would use is actually, I have no real problem with it, providing that the data stays there. Because it's like a computer and you open up a Word document and you type God knows what into it and save it onto your computer. And once it stays yeah. there in that location and you feel like you've got some control, I would be, uh, I would be quite happy with it. It's when it goes out. And this is why I think Dropbox is a terrific feature but then again, I think it's very dangerous because I'm saving my information somewhere, God knows where. Well, and do you know what's even more dangerous? What? If you're if you're applying that logic, is the new Google Desktop uh, backup because it is so good. It's a little app, and it's just you select the folders you want to back up. And I use it myself. Yeah, um, but your data so is somewhere else, and you don't know how safe it is. Else. And they exactly. tell you that it's this, that, and the other, but you just don't know how safe it is. So I like the fact that if I have whatever piece of hardware in my hand, and what I do with it stays in that piece of hardware, I'm happy with. Um, I, I, I don't know. We're, we're running out of time just a little bit. The, the one last point that I did want to make was, and I think it kind of actually might help you kind of look at this whole Google thing in a different way, right? Your privacy and your information and your data. That's like Mm. currency now. That's like money. And you are trading your privacy and your data and your information to be able to use these useful services. And you should be able to choose which services you use or you don't use it or what way that it's used. But I think in the back of your head, you just got to start thinking, hang on a minute, every piece of information that I give anybody is currency and just think twice about what you're saying okay quickly on the subject of currency right uh google can be fined four percent of its global revenue up to um 20 million dollars for a gdpr uh, violation Mm -hmm. how much do you think this should cost google well, I actually think uh, I would I would up those numbers to you know kind of a ten percent of turnover or something like that because any decent company is 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 ten percent of turnover could be fifty percent of their profits or certainly yeah. a large chunk of their profits. So I th- I think those numbers are are good and I think using the percentage system is much better because you could put a fine in place that is twenty million max, which would terrify you and I. But for Google, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. And I'll have uh, two pints of Guinness while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for me, mine, 20 million is the ceiling. This this has got to be a 20 million offense. GDPR cannot afford no. to go. I don't, I don't agree on the 20 million. I think it should be percentage. I should be right. We're going to take uh, 7% of your uh, global turnover. Well, I mean, that'd be great. I'd be on board with that. But um, <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> I'd make a terrible parent. There'd be no give with me at all. <laughs> but listen, it's interesting. I, th- I thought the good thing about that uh, conversation that was on uh, radio and then the, the whole backlash on Twitter and the conversation we're having, I think that is the conversation. We need to be having more of these conversations because I think no matter what happens or whatever we do, this whole data sharing thing is just going to continue and it's going to become part of our lives and maybe George Orwell will rewrite one day uh, but how do we handle it I suppose is the question these conversations keep that uh, continuing listen we are out of time unfortunately uh, that is it for our show this week uh, the programme is supported by PRTG Network Monitor from Paisler.com and of course you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates daily newsletters and more from our website at techcentral.ie or listen to us every week online or Fridays at 5 on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Nile Kitson, thanks so much for listening as always, and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.